This is Beekeeper Confidential, a show about the curious lives of bees and their beekeepers. I'm your host, Mandy Shaw. Today's episode is different from previous episodes in that we have not one or two, but four guests. Each fulfills an important part of local beekeeping and ecological conservation. They're from the South Florida Beekeeping Association, and they're here to share their personal stories and how bees have inspired them to take important steps to provide education to new beekeepers and to make their communities better for not just the bees, but for the people too. Please welcome, in order of appearance, Brianna Suarez, David Riera, Megan Long, and Daniel Calzadilla. I remember being in high school and just not really having anything together enough to even think about going to college or taking extra classes or any of that. I think I do it a lot because like my mom didn't get to go to college. So I think I'm ambitious for all of us, I guess. And like, (laughs) I have a little sister, so I need to, I know I need to be a good role model for her because like, like she's five. So there's like a huge age gap. I just turned 17. So the little time that we have together, I need to influence her the right way and take all these projects just so I can do that. Yeah, I think so. Well, it looks like David just joined us. How's it going? This is the first time that I've featured like a beekeeping association on the show. So I think it's a really cool thing. And I hope that it will lead to more beekeeping associations being like, oh, we're doing this this kind of project with the community, like, I like this direction. So David, thank you for reaching out to me and getting on my radar screen. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just, that's why, I, I mean, that's what I was talking to them about. Um, because, I mean, my official capacity um, with the association is as their graduate advisor. Um, you know, I was, I, I was one of the founding members uh, over three and a half years ago. So, um, you know, since then... I've just, you know, doing my dissertation and everything, I've, you know, I've taken a, a, a back seat on it, but I still stay true to them in, in this capacity um, in mentorship, because I really believe that no matter what, we do have institutions of higher learning and, you know, we do have YouTube now and Zoom and everyone's organizing these things. But at the end of the day, there's nothing that goes on that shouldn't be done through like traditional cultural knowledge. And, you know, like I mentioned, a lot of times beekeeping is a culture. And even though there are, I could, I could think of five authors that have really like what beekeepers have told me and I see as beekeepers Bibles almost, um, which are kind of like the, the, the industry standards. But at the end of the day, we have those books and I refuse to just sit there and tell any of my students like, well, here's the book, uh, read it. And then no, because I'm very, I'm, I'm very skeptical of that being our educational system. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that books are great reference materials. And when you're not understanding either what you're being told or you're not, or you're not understanding what you're doing or you want to just get in, into the weeds a little bit, um, I think that it's really great to have that um, as reference books. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think that the books should necessarily just be 
your teachers and they should just yeah. be guides. And I agree. And, and beekeeping is so regional. So in, unless somebody writes a book that is very specific to your region, but even then that can't possibly highlight all of the different ways to work with bees. That's why working with mentors is so wonderful because you, you get a much more personalized experience, I think. Yep. I, I, no, I, I believe me, all my experiential programming, outreach, um, everything that I've ever done is really based. It's, it's really based on that. Um, that's why I, I wholeheartedly believe there's a couple, there's a couple of theorists that I, that I read. Um, you know, I go back to, you know, uh, France where they're talking about education more as an industrial complex. Mm. And I think that it has its strong points. But I also think that if we go back like during Carter, Reagan administrations, um, when they, you know, when the education, when the federal education uh, was all about no child left behind, right? And, or, and then later on uh, up through Clinton and uh, Bush Sr., Bush Jr., um, through their administrations, it was uh, no, no child to fall through the cracks type of deal, which is still a remnant of the no child left behind deal. I think there's a way to do it. You know, I'm, I was, I was diagnosed with two or three forms of dyslexia. You know, reading has never, has, has always been something very difficult for me. Um, but early in the eighties, uh, my parents didn't have the money or the, you know, the, the, the right people in their life to be able to sit there and suggest specialists. And at that time, you know, that kind of diagnosis wasn't given to little kids. It was just, Hey, you're just reading below your, you know, your grade and, you know, you just need to read more because mm -hmm. reading and writing I've learned it's just with practice. Right. So at the end of the day, now, as you know, as, as the third year uh, dissertation student, um, I actually got diagnosed when I started my master's. So I made it through, I made it through two of my associates, two of my bachelors, like, you know, like a gorilla with his with his knuckles dragging right behind oh. them, Cro Magnum style. Yep, working ten times as hard for for a fraction of of what everybody else had, um, just to make sure to get by. And then I was because I also have PTSD, so you know I, I went to to different mental health uh, specialists, and I finally had a therapist at my institution that was able to be that support network to connect me to the different people and it ended up being that one of her colleagues was a um a clinical psychiatrist that studied multiple studied autism and studied dyslexia and studied all these types of things so she was well versed in it and it ended up being that she was a faculty member and um a clinician at the school so she forwent uh her fees and all that to test me and wow you know, she she, she gave me that, but I really believe like this one-on-one, -on -one, um, you know, auditory, visual, kinesthetic, I really believe in those fundamental ways of learning and teaching. Um, and so even though we've taken uh, kind of a, a backseat to being able to work in proximity to people, um, I really think that the work that my students, that Bree's doing here, um, that you'll hear from Megan and Daniel, um, I think that it's really good that we're still able to make that make that switch, you know, to like the Zoom universe or through the universe of virtual. And I think that it's again that the virtual content is a good way to engage 
to still haphazardly do things and listen mm -hmm. um, and be and raise your awareness, raise your conscience, raise your passion, because now you start seeing that or listening and watching that there's people very passionate about the same things that you're passionate and then come from the same background that you come from. You know, um, typically the typically the students that I'm seeing and in, in my come through my association have nothing. They're not third, fourth, fifth generation beekeepers, you know, they're not your traditional beekeepers. They're not tr your traditional entomologists or people that like pollinators. They're literally, I have a lot of students that go on, on my WhatsApp chat and they post pictures of butterflies or bumblebees or they, they've been posting these things called TikToks just to show <laughs> yeah. you how, how off I am. <laughs> but these things about TikToks and bees and stuff like that. So I'm really... I'm, I'm really happy that the technology is, is at this level that we're able to still communicate over large expanses and that podcasts like yours um, and the videos that Bree has made and Daniel has made and Megan has made to engage the, the community at large and our members um, will still be there even after we expire, yes. um, still documenting our cultural knowledge which is great. And I honestly, and I honestly, like I, like I told them all, you know, I like the fact that your podcast has engaged some of the people that are, that I feel are leaders um, in this space from a, from an industrial, from a, a persons of color, from female, um, you know, and from, and from this traditional ec ecological knowledge. Yeah. Um, I really feel, I really feel blessed being able to listen to because I've, I've heard different people on the subject but your podcast really pulls in a really rich and diverse storytelling oh, thank um, you it, we've been having a lot of conversations in our house lately I'm kind of going going off track a little bit but um having a lot of conversations with our kids about what is happening and I got to thinking about my show and I you know started looking at the roster of people that I've had on my show over the last couple of years and I'm like you know actually I've had a very diverse group of people I've You do. <laughs> you really do. And it, and and so so it goes back so one of the things I I've, I've done over my my time here at FIU um I've been lucky enough to for a very short while uh, head up as a coordinator it's a program that was USDA funded called Veterans of Small Farms all right. And so this is kind of like the prelude to what started, you know, the South Florida Beekeeping Association. So I was in transition to that position and it was literally the tail end of that grant because the person that was the coordinator that I was working with um, on a voluntary basis is a good friend. And she was like, well, I'm moving to a different position in the school and this position will, they're not going to be able to fill it and I'm not going to be able to run both positions. So at least it'll It'll give you some, a little bit of an income, um, which again, grad students don't have that much of an income. I feel like I'm getting paid like 1860s money with 2020 oh. bills. Uh, yeah. So I took, I, took, I took the job and in that transition to that job, we were off. So, you know, veterans uh, come back from many different contras overseas and many different bouts here domestically, whether it, it's from marriages gone wrong, uh, you know, divorce, PTSD, um, different physical issues um, that they have to bounce back from. 
And so I'm a firm believer on the thing that I call like agri therapy, echo therapy, which then breaks into many different things, which AP therapy is one of the things I wrote about early on to kind of get this thing rolling. And I, I immersed myself in the literature, um, which is far and few in between, but it is international, which demonstrates um, the connections to mental and emotional health from being a beekeeper and being exposed to, to apiaries and going through the tasks of doing hive inspections, being close to the bees. The buzzing is cathartic. You know what I'm saying? Once you get over the initial fear and the anxiety, um, one, of, one of my veterans that, that got into the program would sit there and say that it's, a, it's an adrenaline rush to reach calm. You know, yeah. it's kind of like burning the candle at both ends that you're really like, you're really all rambunctious as the bees are. But once I've explained to all the participants that have come through and, and have worked with me in the past, and I have to tell myself this is the bees are a direct reflection of you as their beekeeper. You know, it, it goes back to that whole, you know, our pets look like us or, or we look like our pets type of thing. Right. Um, you know, so at the end of the day, I always tell them that I say the bees are a very direct representative of ours so when we're sad our bees are sad when we're happy our bees are like ecstatic um you know and when, when we're angry our bees know that and then you are you're, you're gonna see the bees even flip out on you yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah and that's and that's very powerful that's one powerful thing that um that i that i explained to a lot of people the second powerful thing that i've even told Bree is you know when when you have a second and a third generation beekeepers and you've been working with the same, I guess, hives for that many generations, they imprint on you. So like your granddaughter, your, the bees will see your granddaughter as you, you know, and I don't understand it and how, because it has not been researched yet, but it is again, within within the caps within the bookends of traditional cultural knowledge that is regionally accepted i've heard this story from beekeepers in michigan and beekeepers washington state beekeepers in canada beekeepers in germany beekeepers in south america i've heard in but it's the same story fundamentally that bee that bees and hives imprint on your family and it's almost like having your own watchdog, you know what I mean? Um, that actually, you know, instead of just eating your furniture, you know, gives you gives you like a whole bunch of like holistic products from bees to beeswax to, you know, all this cool stuff. So in that program, we wanted to be able to give the community, uh, at first it was, you know, veterans, a, a certification on how to become an apprentice beekeeper to add it to the diversity of what they were learning to maintain their farms and, and whatnot. Um, so that was the inception of, of that. But at the same time, I wanted to make it accessible because it's not just veterans that suffer from PTSD. And I know this um, students from all walks of life, especially in this social climate um, at it, you know, from K through 12 up into, you know, up and through college, they suffer from forms of PTSD. You know what I mean? Um, they suffer from oppression. They suffer from different things of everything from finding a place where to belong while you're trying to sort yourself out in this thing like college or what this thing in high school looks like. 
especially if, you know, especially if you're not from Miami, you know, let's say, let's say like, you know, you'll, you'll hear from Megan, Megan's, Megan's from, from your side of the world, you know, from the West coast, you know, um, and twice Megan had come over and Megan had had to go back and I was engaging with her to be the new president. And it ended up being like, you know, she had to take care of her parents. Like I take care of mine. Um, and then she ended up coming down this, this, uh, this time around and, you know, she has to go back now, but Megan has been a, a prodigious, um, you know, a very prodigious president under her, under her leadership. We've had our first, you know, our first complete executive board or what we call the B board, uh, or, you know, we're, well, we're and just... I, I love that you, um, in our, in our emails referred to the association as the, the hive. Yep, that's that's exactly that's exactly it. Um, and that's because so so Megan's nickname is Queenie, right? And so the, she came she came with that. Queenie's nodding and, really big. Yes, you know, that is her. It, it, you know, it, it's Queenie, and uh, you know I I made her a promise when she when she left that when she came back, it's very hard for us to get out of our own way, and I really try to offer my students my all. Um, so at the end of the day, I have to take a back seat cognitively and just be there as their, as their sword and shield. You know, I, I have to be able to learn better about myself on when I can protect them and should protect them versus on when I could give them, you know, my entire spirit, um, and they could wield it at their, at their behest. Um, and I think that, um, this partnership that, that Brie has developed is, is, me doing that is me being able to give her everything I have um, and for her to wield it uh, in her own onus, in her own personable way that really makes a lasting, almost ripple effect that many hives, you know, from here, from here to whenever will, will be able to grow, um, you know, so that's what that's what I wanted to make sure. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit long winded. I apologize. No, but yeah, this, this is, is fantastic. But the connection yeah. that you and Brianna have is that um, she reached out to you wanting to learn more about bees and um, has like a very ambitious program that she's developing. Yeah, go for it, Bree. This is all. So I, you know, I want, that, that, that was my that was my segue. That was my segue. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm just here. I'm here in that. I'm here in that capacity. I'm here in the the sword and shield way, or I, I call it the the wing and stinger. <laughs> yeah so um i'm a girl scout whatever i raised i rose through the ranks and it's time to do my final project for girl scouts and you know get that award it's supposed to be a sustainable project and so i had to pick a topic that meant something to me and i was there's so many topics that mean a lot to everybody and i was like what can i think of that will make an impact and then i was thinking i was like you know i feel that in my atmosphere of like high school and stuff, like I feel like bees, like everybody knows they need to, they need a voice and they need to be saved, but people don't know how to, or they're not looking in that direction. And there's so many other things. So it's kind of like, okay, we can roll with that. And then one day I was like sitting outside and I saw a bee and I was like, that's it. So then I distinctly remember being in trig class. And I was like, let me send a few emails because I need to find a mentor because I didn't know anything about it. I just know they need to be saved and this is what I'm going to focus my time on. And so I sent a few emails and I was like, all right, I'm going to find a mentor today. And I looked at South Florida beekeeping 
And then South Florida Beekeeping Association came up. I sent my email and I was like, I'm not going to hear back, but I'm just going to send this one email and just see what happens. And I got a response and I was like, this is it. The way it was articulated. And I was like, this is who I'm meant to work with. And we're going to do something awesome with it. So we're de we developed this idea to do like activities, go into elementary schools and go to the younger audience. So they grow up learning. This is what we can do. And this is how we can help. So we developed this project and, you know, we're ready to go and, and we're, we're prepping the summer and trying to do like workshops of it and then go in the fall. So because of COVID, we'd had to go virtual. So we're planning on doing like Instagram lives on how to make the bee pencil toppers and just activities the kids can do at home while, you know, and also learning. So we would have Megan from the South Florida Beekeeping Association, the queen, she would come on as well. And so not only are you learning how to do a fun activity that will stay with you because you're going to use that pencil and you're going to remember that bee pencil topper and think, oh, I learned about the bees and how to save the bees on this Instagram live. So going virtual is a good thing and we've made it a good thing because now it's more accessible to everybody. And it's mm -hmm. not just going to that elementary school. Now it's, wow, let me tell my friend and they're going to do another Instagram live on Wednesday and more people will join. It's now we can go even bigger than it was going to go. So we've made it a good thing. And <laughs> our mentorship, um, I've been taken as an honorary member of the South Florida Beekeeping Association. I am in that Whoa. WhatsApp group. <laughs> I know, it's a big deal. Me, a high schooler, 17 year old, you know, I, we made a great partnership. The beekeeping associations are really a lifeline to information and community that, yeah. that we need so much. Oh yeah, we, we do a lot especially at FIU, um, our college nearby. And uh, it's, it's, it's a great place to share resources and find people who are actually interested and, and want to make a difference and want to get involved. Because a lot of times, and I, uh, you know, I understand it too, because just a couple of years ago, like I wasn't in beekeeping at all. And, um, and I, I'm a bio major, so I do love animals and I've always liked bees. They've always interested me, but I never really thought of like, oh, maybe I should be a beekeeper. And that never really crossed my mind. But, um, but then like two years ago in Seattle, uh, my, one of my friends just happened to be, be a beekeeper. And I was like, oh, can I come check out your bees? <laughs> and I just fell in love instantly. So, um, so yeah, for, as a, as a professional organization, we always love to to help others find their passion in in our community, whether it's beekeeping or just like pollinator conservation in general, mm -hmm. um, or like composting and gardening. So you guys really take a more holistic approach to bee health because you're also addressing the need for natural forage. Yeah, definitely very holistic. We um, at FIU we have like a, an organic garden um, that our gardening club uh, handles, but we work very closely with them. And we have uh, compost bins. And um, before this whole quarantine happened, we held weekly workshops um, where we would, you know, talk about and, and introduce students to this side of ecology and, um, and how they can actually make a difference in in these little pollinators' lives, because you know a lot of people are 
Uh, I've, al- I've also found down here in Miami, a lot of people are like, oh, I live in an apartment or I don't have a big backyard. Like, what can I do to help? And uh, so we have workshops where, you know, we talk about native plants um, that are easy to care for on like a balcony or even just like in your room. Um, and how like every little bit really does help because I know you know, but uh, bees, you know, a single bee makes only about like a one twelfth of a teaspoon of honey. And it's crazy to realize how much honey we get get from these colonies. So every little bit does yeah, help. Yeah. My my mission this year, I mean, every year I do try to plant more flowers, at least here at home for the bees, but I have another location that I keep bees at and I, I've been keeping bees there for four years and there's really not a lot of on-site forage. And mm-hmm. so because of COVID and changes in schedule and my kids are home from school. And so I, I, I'm not doing a lot of in the hive beekeeping, but my, my efforts have been groundskeeping and getting that space ready to start adding um, forage because bees just, they just don't have enough food. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, they don't. Especially with um, in the in the city in Miami, the uh, habitat loss due to like construction and buildings and and just basic yard maintenance. Like a lot of people feel the need to mow their lawns, and mm-hmm. they see they see a lot of wild flowers as weeds, and they don't they don't like want them. Um, on their property though you know like dandelions and daisies and um, little Spanish needles are like some of the most important species for for all pollinators in the early spring to help them get going Mm -hmm. after like their winter. Yeah and so here um, in Oregon our our active bee season is March through November but what is yeah. it like in Miami? I would imagine it's, is it all year long? <laughs> um, yeah, more or less. It's like maybe a month or two where it's like slowed down a little um, just because of like the, the local foliage and flowers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like the coldest it gets is like maybe 55. <laughs> oh my God. So, uh, <laughs> I went there once in October and I, I, I just couldn't believe like heavy of a, of a heat it was Yeah. in October. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so beekeeping in, in the humidity and the hot temperatures has just got to be really a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. It's a complete different way of, of beekeeping, especially we get a lot of rain. Um, mm-hmm. So that definitely plays into it. And the fact that the bees can be active for most of the year, um, we have to provide them enough food so they can stay healthy and they don't die off or get sick. I do want to spend a little bit of time talking about the beekeeping program that you guys have through your association. Can you explain the the structure of the program and how you Um, guys built it? Yeah, definitely. Um, 
So we are in South Florida and a, a separate college, the University of Florida, uh, up in like North Florida. They're actually the ones that run a beekeeping college, they call it. And um, it's just like we were supposed to, you know, me and David and Daniel was going to go too, just like for fun. But uh, we were supposed to go up this year, but then the quarantine happened and everything. Yeah. So they closed it. But uh, they have a bee college that is just, I think it's like four days long. And you go up there and they just have a bunch of speakers like local beekeeper speakers and scientists and professors where they just like four days of just like all and everything bees and daniel went to that the bee college at the university of florida is about six hours away from our location in florida and so we're trying to right now we're creating our own uh curriculum which will be, we're thinking like uh, over 12 weeks, like over like a normal semester time mm-hmm. um, where we will wor- be able to work with uh, the students and our dedicated members in gaining their Florida State certification and beekeeping wow. um, because we do like local like bee rescues too. And a lot of students they are interested in putting on the gear and, and getting getting close to the bees, but there are liability issues and safety issues. Um, and as a professional organization, we do have to take steps uh, to ensure the safety of the bees and our, and our members. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we actually have an, another awesome member member of our board julian who's international he's from germany where he's been beekeeping for at least eight years over there and um he really wants to start a lecture series to help with the certification and to help with with training and giving them the knowledge so they feel comfortable going out and and handling these safely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would imagine going to a four a four day intensive doesn't. I mean, it's going to give you a lot of information, but it's yeah. a lot all at once. And I mm-hmm. I found even for me, walking through an entire bee season, you learn so much more than you could in a in a class yeah yeah it's a bee college is like a quick crash course um you know you just start running you you get a lot of information and not so much um like physical working with the bees it's more like workshops and lectures and And so you guys are sort of fulfilling that need for people giving people access to mentors and ongoing education yes. during during their probably first or second bee season yeah definitely we um we work with a lot of local beekeepers um i know you know tasha from palm pike yes <laughs> and she's great and uh we we work with a lot of keeper local keepers and other pollinator organizations and conservation groups um, to find mentors and and just to connect everyone with everyone else because mm-hmm. just like a just like a hive 
you know, we're stronger in numbers when we come together and we, we help each other, we lift each other up, we encourage each other to, to do what we want yeah. um, and make a difference. And we're trying to, currently, we just actually finished writing the proposal for it. So we're going to send it in to FIU. Um, but we are, we, we are trying to get an apiary on campus um, because that's been the most difficult um, obstacle I've found is not having easy access to to live bees. Are you finding so, that it's a it's a liability roadblock that you guys are running into with getting hives installed somewhere? Yeah, it's part liability and part we we need cooperation from FIU also um, from from their team. So you know we've talked to them about it and. And they seem interested, but the liability and their concerns with like costs and upkeep mm-hmm. of it and um, and how many students will will actually benefit from it, which yeah. a lot a lot yeah. will, but coming you know from an executive level college viewpoint, they're like, oh bees, you know yeah, they're a little you. unsure <laughs> yeah. <Lawsuit. laughs> You know what? Just invite the whole executive board down (laughs) for some classes and get some of the hives that you do have access to. It'll change their minds. Yeah, (laughs) really. Because we have have some um, in Miami Beach Botanical Gardens, just a couple personal hives. And then Daniel actually houses most of the bees that we get from bee rescues he houses those just in his backyard at the moment and um and a lot of our members are students at FIU and you know they either live on campus or they live nearby campus and it's hard for them to to travel and, and make time to visit the hives that we do have. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we really want to get an apiary on campus so then we can be more hands-on and and start this certification program that we're creating. Wow, that's a lot of work. I'm just so amazed at what your club is taking on. When I talked with um, David earlier this week, he said, you are the queen of the hive. <laughs> you are running the show. <laughs> I know. Uh, he's too kind. Um, I would not be able to to do any of this without a great team behind me, without David and Daniel and our other people, keeper, Julian. You know, they really... They really help out. <laughs> they don't. I don't deserve all that credit. <laughs> it's it's cool. It's a team effort. <laughs> and we're also working on a master manual of our organization. So we have wow. all our like history typed out and our members and the roles and and just beekeeping in general for like a good reference tool that we can use in the coming years you know it should always be a hot topic but it's definitely a hot topic right now is the blm movement and um just in general the the fact that people of color and and black people and indigenous people are 
at much more of a risk for um, like just in general environmental crises. But among the beekeeping community, uh, what I what we've talked about as um, an organization is that the the Africanized bees and the killer bees are are names for or are used to to kind of denote undesirable characteristics among bees and they can often be thrown around towards just like any defensive or aggressive bee people you know associate africanized bees and killer bees with with something bad and dangerous um where these bees are just more defensive of their home they're not as as domesticated as the western honeybee that we're used to Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, it tends to give people this like unconscious like thought of um, like, like uh, un- implicit bias. Yes. Yeah. Like, it, yes, exactly. Um, an implicit bias towards, you know, towards Africa, these Africanized bees. And that's just like another thing to demonize Africa as a continent and and what comes from Africa. So we you know, as an organization, we're actively involved in changing our language when addressing Africanized bees. And uh, actually, we, we typed up um, a statement maybe like a month ago about it. And when we shared it with our members, a lot of them agreed and a lot were a lot realized they were like, wow, I never, you know, I never realized the harm that calling these killer bees the harm that it can it can add to and they <laughs> they offered to call them hot bees or spicy bees <sighs> instead instead of killer bees but uh yeah we're, we're just you know we we want to challenge all beekeepers all all people in general to be more aware of the language that they use mm-hmm. and and the meaning behind these words, behind Africanized and killer bees, when in reality, these bees are just more defensive of their home. And we don't want to portray these bees as dangerous right. or as more evil than, than the European Western honeybee. Well, um, and I think that now, because our country is having this long overdue conversation, Um, now is the time to say, well, maybe we shouldn't use this label anymore. Maybe we need to change it because of these reasons. And when I first talked with David, he said that there have been many instances where he would be out in the community with members of the association or people that, that you guys are mentoring and people would taunt them with those words. And, um, anything that we can do to help change the climate and change the perception and change our, our understanding. I think that we need to do. Yeah. And and not calling Africanized bees, Africanized bees or killer bees calling them. I think it's the Apis mellifera scutellata. Yeah. (laughs) Just call them that. And that's, that's a very small gesture and a very small thing that we can do that can yeah, it can change the mindset and it can help to change that implicit bias that we have that maybe we weren't aware of before. 
Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it, it seems like something small, but it is realistic for each and every one of us to to do and to change. And we we like to think globally, uh, but act locally. And that's how you're gonna induce a, a major change in society. Is if everyone everywhere in their own communities are aware and are learning and actively involved in in changing society for the better. Awesome. Very, very nice. <laughs> yeah, I have a little tropical garden kind of outside my window too. Yeah. Um, with some bananas, um, some um, cassava, like yucca plant. Oh my gosh. And uh, some avocado. Uh, mangoes. Whoa! I'm so <laughs> jealous. <laughs> I love I love the tropical fruits. That's oh my that's gosh. like so, I'm, a, I'm a gardener first for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Do bees? I don't understand how bananas grow. Really? I mean, I know they grow on trees, but is there a flower? Do bees? Yeah. Do bees pollinate uh, yeah. bananas? Yeah, definitely. I and, know this. <laughs> and they love the um the male flowers because actually the female flowers come down first, and then the male flower comes down after and they love the male flower so the what, are, what do the amazing. flowers look like do they have to climb inside of a little tunnel it's a little bit no but it's you know they can get their head in there but um it's yeah it's tubular shaped it's a tubular shaped flower for sure yeah cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay i'm gonna have to google it because now i'm curious oh they're beautiful I've um some really people call them like footballs wow yeah Awesome. So um, I just talked with Megan and then earlier this week I talked with David and with Brianna. When I got certified, she was great. Um, But then I found like an extended mentorship through all of your podcasts. Like I felt like everyone on there has become indirectly like a mentor. I can just name off a list. So many. I have like a list of all the ones that I love so much um, so far. Thank you. I've just, I feel like I've been so lucky in, in how this, you know, journey has ended up like this, where I've gotten to spend candid time talking with all of these amazing beekeepers and drawing from their experiences and their insights. And it just, it, it does affect my own beekeeping and how I move through that journey uh, but to hear that other people enjoy it and are, are getting something of value out of it is just amazing. So I, I graduated from FIU in 2018 um, with a bachelor's in environmental studies and sustainability and a certificate in agroecology. And during my time there at FIU, um, it really was the agroecology program that kind of really helped me like connect all the dots and kind of make make sense of what I wanted to do in, in the future. Was that um, always an area of interest for you or did you discover that when you were in college? Because sometimes oh, people don't really know like what they're going for. And then once they get into college and start diving into certain subjects, it becomes clear to them. Yeah, that happened in my um, second year, I guess, of, of college. I broke it into, I, I guess I want to do three degrees. So it'd be the associates, the bachelors, and now I'm going for a master's. But wow. um it was in the associates that I that I started taking environmental courses, and then that's what kind of led me to my to my bachelor's. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I fell in love with um, you know agricultural sciences and and the environment, and I was part of the three clubs there: the um, the Garden Club, the Minorities in Agriculture and Related Science, um, and the FIU Florida Beekeeping Association. Um, 
I was a treasurer of the organic garden there from uh, 2017 to 2018. And that's around that time when I met Ange and she came and gave a, gave a talk on beekeeping. Still had really no interest in becoming a beekeeper. Um, my first actual, this is, the, this is like a fun story. Um, I tried out for an apprenticeship on an organic farm in 2016 on my birthday, on my 26th birthday. And there was some angry bees. Like, I guess they had just been moved. You know, they were just like, they were just a little bothered. They weren't, I guess, angry. You know, they just got moved. I wasn't sure if it was a rescue or just moved. Um, but we were far. They were far, like, on the corner of the farm. And I don't know, we were working through the day, just feeling things out. And all of a sudden, I got stung in the, in the beard, like, in the chin. And I found out that I wasn't allergic, thankfully. Okay, <laughs> kind of keep going, you know, like we move further away from them. And it happened three more times. <laughs> and so, I mean, thankfully, I got the apprenticeship. The, the lady, she's like, that's amazing that you didn't like, you know, run away. And I'm like, no, I mean, that's my first experience. <laughs> but thankfully, I'm not allergic. And so, wow. yeah, fast forward. It's almost um, like the bees were just, they're just trying to get your attention. <laughs> absolutely the best yeah. way they knew how <laughs> sure yeah i mean i'm a gardener first and now i'm just in love with bees so it just makes so much sense wow. they just go hand in hand yeah. so irma kind of destroyed our greenhouse and um, that's when i was going to take oh. the horticulture certificate but so it was around this it was about the same price for the beekeeping certificate so that's when i i took the course and and finished up in december of 2018 and then just, you know, I thought I'd become a hobbyist. I thought, you know, who knows? I'd get a nuke and I don't know. I, I didn't expect to like start climbing trees and saving swarms <laughs> and stuff. And, you know, fast forward January, February, we're already saving. Like we had saved a couple hives already and we kicked off an apiary and it was, it was really fun. Wow. Um, I think beekeeping is one of those things you just, for, for so many people, it is a hobby that, completely changes their life without even sure. really walking into it with those intentions absolutely yeah these kind of saved my life indirectly i would say yeah gardening gardening was already a passion i dreams of um making a little um small organic farm and you know i thought about these but i didn't it wasn't ever you know kind of i don't know so profound i guess and the connection really made sense mm -hmm. so then by the end of 2019 i'd done like 10 to 20 rescues something like that and i just felt it felt right so, okay, so i had enough let's, let's define rescues swarm okay. catches or are you are were these like cutouts oh, a lot of them were cutouts yeah wow. actually probably 90 90 percent of them were cutouts yeah there was only like three three or, i don't know a couple swarms that's one <laughs> really brave way to really get to know honeybee behavior and it was an intense first year yeah. And even health analysis on a colony. Mm -hmm. Sure. No, I, I, I saw so much and it was a, it was kind of a fast track learning, but it was definitely fun. And, um, were there any I, removals I that, that year that really stand out in your memory? I mean, I know we, we remember all the bees we oh my gosh. come into contact with, but were, yeah. was there one that was just really like, <laughs> uh, the first one honestly was amazing. It was massive and it was on the side of um, a garage in the back of someone's house and it filled up two nukes. It was like 10, 11 frames of just brood wow. and then maybe another three to four frames of honey. How was and the comb constructed? 
um, uh, kind of horse. Uh, I mean, it, it looked like that, you know, kind of picturesque ball of bees. Oh, and nice. I don't know. So um, it wasn't it, like long, narrow combs built alongside of the studs. Oh, no, it was it was outside. It was um, an outside exposed oh. hive hanging underneath like the miniature awning of sorts on the garage. Oh, my God. Do you <laughs> run into a lot of open air hives? Yeah, that's actually mostly what I do just because wow. um, I'm still looking into. So I, I did launch a company at the end of um, well, at the beginning of 2020 because I just Shameless felt plug that, time. Yes, that's right. That's <laughs> no, right. plug away because so. I'll, I'll include all this stuff anyways at the end. But yeah, talk about your yeah. company. Yeah, I just launched it. It's called um, Bee Wranglers uh, LLC. And um, so I'm, I'm mostly doing rescues and um, swarm relocations, live hive rescues and swarm relocations. Um, but just it's been expanding. Um, so many owners that I do rescues for actually want to keep the bees. And then they want me to teach them how to become beekeepers. That's, I have this happening already, I think, twice now. Were so, you expecting that when you started the company? Oh, not at all. Wow. No. <laughs> so I just, you know... I mean, it's a nice little side business so far, and it's, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I think one of the things that I've enjoyed, because um, my beekeeping association here in Portland has, um, a, like, we call it the Bee Buddy program, where you can get connected with another beekeeper at no charge, just mm. to help you... Oh, did you see that bumblebee? Bumblebee? Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I'm like right in Boink. their, their Um <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, but it, it, I think it helps so much to have somebody there just reassuring you, walking you through how to touch your, your combs, it, especially if you're doing a cutout or something. That could be really, really daunting, even for somebody who's been working with bees for a while. It was a kind of a sinker, you know, jump and swim, learn how to swim kind of moment. Yeah. Um, we had only done, you know, a handful of inspections during our certification. And, you know, I'd watched a bunch of videos and, you know, read read a couple books, but there's nothing like walking up to, you know, a wild quote unquote hive and, you know. I'm going to cut you up now. Yeah. <laughs> Strap you yeah. to this piece of wood. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, it was, it was a lot of asking the bees kindly and just, just talking through it and, yeah, being as gentle as possible. Yeah. <laughs> I guess maybe something that I wanted to say was that, yeah, it's amazing that we have the opportunity, or at least myself, as a very new beekeeper um, and just trying to find, I guess, my voice in it. I've only been beekeeping for a year and, you know, almost maybe two years, I can barely say. And it's just, it's incredible. Um uh the different things that you know is possible and and i'm just i'm just having a really great time i guess that's amazing <laughs> well and also i've you've probably heard me preach about this before but the more beekeeping hours you can cram in in a season not just with your own hives but with other people's hives and like you are you are having the experience of going out and touching untouched colonies <laughs> And, and putting them into hives and then and then helping them through their rehabilitation and then and then you know onto a journey of good bee health but yeah. that is something I wish more people had the ability to access sure. in their first year mm -hmm. and their second year and their third year you gain so much more because you're just more immersed in it it's been amazing I support the full local movement of, of food and of course bees so i thought 
you know, why should I order a package from Texas? Or, you know, I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't do enough research in terms of knowing my local beekeepers, but I did buy some queens from Sierra that, that Tucka worked for. And then eventually I bought some queens from Tucka, but this was, this was, this was later on. (laughs) Yes. I love Tucka. (laughs) And, um, I hopefully want to meet Sam one day. Shout out to Sam. Um, yeah. I've talked to him uh, to maybe for a, a nuke, um, but I just haven't gotten there yet. I've just been, my apiary has just been building with nukes. I mean, I'm um, sorry, with rescues. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, amazing. I mean, it really and, is. Yeah, no, it's just, it's been great. Um, that's, I guess, why I, I get into them a little bit more often, just so that to make sure that they're drawing out straighter comb and attaching mm-hmm. the comb. And, you know, if they're trying to supersede or anything, or if I need to make a split. Um, yeah, you're sort of in the, the critical care unit. Apiary. <laughs> yeah yeah something like that yeah. yeah um i don't know if you heard the episode with b-man dan i did not like yet a i do follow him a long time ago it, it, i recorded it in my kitchen pantry so you know things were really <laughs> low tech back then i didn't even have like a microphone <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was it was really low tech but I mean, he was talking about the whole rehabilitation process when you are mm-hmm. taking care of a rescue colony. And I had never really thought about that before. But, like, they need feeding and they just need a lot more attention. Yeah, the um, the last owner was like, oh, when, you know, can you bring them back next week? And I said, no, no, no. Uh, give me about a month or so and, and you know, yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Um, you know, and by Florida law, we have to requeen. So I do need to get some actually queens to... Um, so, but yeah, that's, um, that's just been the, you know, the, the most of my work. Um, after, after I come home uh, from work, if I'm not like rendering wax or I just started making some salves. Um, nice. And yeah. Um, You're all in. <laughs> oh no, I'm, I'm totally, totally just, just, yeah. In the beekeeping Kool-Aid. Um, I'm a beak. I'm a beak for sure. To learn more about the South Florida Beekeeping Association, head over to beekeeperconfidential.com. I'll be including links to their social media accounts and photos of them doing the work that they love. Thank you all for listening. I hope you and your bees are doing well. Until next time, may the buzz be with you. Beekeeper Confidential is a Waggleworks production and is written and produced by Mandy Shaw. I pledge to make that change. Yes. <laughs> Get killer bees and Africanized bees out of your vocabulary. Out of the vocabulary. <laughs> oh, thank you for bringing that up.